0: Hello, and welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast.
1: Also, rate, review, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things.
0: We want to hear your thoughts on the movies and shows we review.
1: Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or our YouTube channel, and we will read them during the show or reach out to us on social media. We love talking all things entertainment and pop culture with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Delora, how are you today? I'm doing all right. You know, this is a hard topic for me sometimes. I think for me it is joy and sorrow because We get a chance to celebrate and appreciate the artistry and life and voice of the voice, Whitney Houston, today. Mm -hmm. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, y'all know we mess with Whitney Houston. I had to think about what my favorite Whitney Houston song is as I was watching this movie and I was as I was getting prepared for this recap, do you have a favorite Whitney Houston song that you can point to as like, mm, out of all her hits, that's the one?
0: I want to dance with somebody.
1: Uh, fitting. My favorite, my favorite is also from the original era of her first two albums. And that is How Will I Know, Baby. Oh, that's a close second. Oh, I love that one so much. Love that song. I know? Love that video.
0: Me. You know, one of my favorite Whitney um, Houston videos is
1: I'm your baby tonight. Mm-hmm. Even saving all my love. I mean, I just it's it's such a nostalgia and the greatest love of all because my mom has a VHS of those Whitney Houston videos of that time. And I used to watch it so much as a kid growing up. And so like those videos just mean so much to me. And then The Greatest Love of All, I sang like preschool, kindergarten, graduation. Like it was just such an era uh, for me. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I stood a chance with who my favorite singer was gonna be as a kid. Cause I (laughs) I was just so inundated with Whitney and with her music, uh, during that time when I was a kid that I just don't think anybody else did a chance between her and Michael Jackson. It was, I was just like right
0: Surprisingly, my mom didn't listen to a lot of Whitney, but Whitney was so around. There was no way of avoiding her. Exactly, right? And so for me, I didn't realize that I loved her as much as I did, because again, my mom's favorite artist was Michael Jackson. So that was front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like, by the time you get to the bodyguard and you get to waiting to exhale and the preacher's wife, I'm like, Oh no, I,
1: I know Whitney pretty well. Yes, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was, it was rough. It's hard to compare to those two at that time. They're, they were so, like out of this world with their success and with their talent. But, you know, Whitney Houston for me is the greatest vocalist of all time and listening and having an opportunity to talk about this movie. Just, I even I got choked up. I'm gonna try not to cry on this recap because I got choked up my first time watching this movie. I got choked up rewatching the movie because it is something to like relive some of these major moments she had. Even you know, filming of the bodyguard, which y'all know is my favorite movie from when we recapped it, all of it. So, and we don't talk enough about her song with
0: Enrique Iglesias either.
1: Do you know which song I'm talking about? It's not, it's not ringing a bell or a fave of mine. So, oh,
0: this is this was um during the 2000s, Could I kiss you forever? And mm-hmm. she has one of the most show-stopping riffs. Like she was on the, she was the feature, but she took it over. And it's a moment. Did.
1: Of course, she did. It's a moment. You have to hear it. I was saying before. We had started this afternoon to my mom that I really do think Winnie Houston is like what I imagine the angels sound like in heaven. Like she just <laughs> has that voice to me that is just so like I was like, Yeah, God needs you back. He was like, Listen, I she's been gone a little bit too long. I need her back. I need that voice again. Cause that's how powerful it was to me. So anyway, let me not get uh, emotional. Our recap for today, guys, is Winnie Houston. I want to dance with somebody. I didn't even realize this was released theatrically on my birthday last year. Oh, your birthday? This, girl, I December re- 23rd. <laughs> okay. And it has been available for streaming since April 22nd. It is two and a half hour runtime, just about. And Summary is a celebration of the life and music of the one and only Whitney Elizabeth Houston, one of the greatest singers of all time, tracking her journey to musical superstardom. This is directed by Cassie Lemons cast Naomi Aki as Whitney, which I just learned today that she had false teeth in to betray Whitney. Because she has a gap in real life. I saw it because I saw her and is it Nefesi? Nefesi? Mm -hmm. Who plays Robin do Ailes... Uh, you know, usual song challenge, song association. Yeah. And that's when I saw her without it for the first time. I was like, oh, wow. And it helps her definitely embody Whitney more, mm-hmm. seeing her in full, right? So as I mentioned, Nefessi Williams plays Robin Crawford. Stanley Tucci, who we love, is Clive Davis. Mm-hmm. Tamara Tooney is Sissy Houston. Ashton Sanders is Bobby Brown. Clark Peters is John Houston. Bria Danielle Singleton is Bobby Christina. Reviews. Rotten Tomatoes, 44% critic score, but 92% audience score. And 67% of Google users gave this film a thumbs up. Delora, what is your grade for I Want to Dance with Somebody? All right.
0: So this one was kind of difficult because it's like one of those biopics with really bad wigs you know what i mean it's like is this on par with the jackson five dreams Mm. (laughs) like with you know what i mean like you know how biopics are like they're either what's love got to do with it or you know jackson five the american dream like i i kind of i mean you had angela bassett though
1: I, well, I don't want that. you, I don't want you, I don't want you.
0: <laughs> She's actually <a> <laughs> Range. And don't get me wrong. The American Dream one, it, it's good, but it's not like, it's no Ray.
1: Like, you know what I mean? And so- Bohemian Rhapsody. There's there's a list of the ones levels. that people consider to be yeah. top tier. And so, and so this grade is because I
0: feel like we still haven't gotten that level for Whitney, like in terms of biopics in, in terms of it, like Ray <laughs> and it it, it gets, a, it gets a C for me. Like I needed a little bit more meat and potatoes. It's a lot of singing. It's like, is this a concert film? You know? Yeah. Uh, Cause it kind <laughs> of felt like it.
1: Yes, it was.
0: So, and obviously that those parts were fantastic, right? But it was also interesting because it's like, because we grew up with her, I'm like, I remember these moments. I remember these moments. And again, Whitney is always a hard topic for me because it's just so heartbreaking, but that's why we focus on her life, right? What she brought to this world in her time with us. So
1: what about you? It's a B plus for me. It's a B plus because I, as I mentioned, when I mentioned this as a hidden gem, I really do think that Naomi captured this essence of Whitney, particularly like this nature that she had to kind of stand up for herself and um, hold her own, particularly in some of those iconic interviews we know her from over the years and how she kind of always said her piece still respectfully, but in a very Whitney way. And then also to your point, the music, I mean, that is what I love Whitney Houston for and to get to experience them even to your point though I've lived through and seen many of those performances particularly the national anthem multiple 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 times that for me at first was the biggest reason why I didn't really gravitate or want to watch this movie because I thought no one's going to be able to do this justice right I've seen the real Whitney how can anyone else compare but it did bring me such a sense of like nostalgia and just warmed my heart to see some of these things again and relive some of these moments again but from a different lens of at least getting a little bit more detail because there are things throughout this film that added context to things that I didn't know about particularly because Winnie Houston though she's my favorite musical artist I don't know her as well as I know some of the artists today because we, that just wasn't the era of re- revealing everything about it was oneself. Mystique. It
0: was very big. <laughs> yes. mystique. Being and the superstar, the movie star, the singer, and not knowing much about their personal life.
1: And there was a lot that was put on Whitney in terms of her public image that was not necessarily capturing who she actually was. And there's been so much that has come out since she's passed away, even her relationship with Robin, that I didn't know about when I was growing up and during her time alive. So because of those things, I think I still got a richness from the story that I needed. But to your point, I think that because this story is done in um, collaboration with her estate and in collaboration with Clive, we weren't gonna get the rawness that we may get in the future by somebody who is going to look at this from a different lens and perhaps focus on one period of time.
0: Well, that and them having the access to all of her vocal performances that were, you know, in the actual movie, so.
1: And it's Whitney Houston as the voice. It's hard not to. Even the idea of them talking about whether or not they were going to just strictly use Whitney's singing or use some from Naomi, because Naomi can sing as well. They did this blend where Naomi sang a little bit live, a little bit, but there's nobody Mm. who can replicate that voice so for all of those reasons it is a b plus for me so let's get into it we begin the story in whitney's hometown in new jersey 1983 singing in the church choir quickly get to see the dynamic between her and miss sissy houston because sissy is trying to teach whitney the correct quote unquote way to sing because whitney has expressed that she wants to be a professional singer obviously runs in the family right yes could you sissy imagine what about? she did can you imagine having gone to church with whitney houston and sissy houston <laughs> i feel like
0: black people probably lived through that more often than not <laughs>
1: In terms of um don't I grew- get me wrong, we have great vocalists mm- most of the time in choir amazing vocalists, but this is Whitney. That's like imagine going to church with Aretha Franklin, you know exactly. what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. worthy And hopefully they understood who you know
1: who they had in, in their mist for sure. <laughs> Man, I would have been catching some type of spirit every Sunday and if I'm they also- have been in the
0: choir. And again, known church girl, right? I also grew up in Detroit, Motown, a lot of the gospel scene. We got the Clark sisters,
1: mm. like shout out to
0: Kiki. She just announced her pregnancy. I've met her multiple times in person. Like, you know what I
1: mean? It's like- You have some singing in your backyard. You have some singing. <laughs> yeah that's a good point you growing up in Detroit you had some singing again I've gone to church with some great vocalists and people who really blew me away when they stepped onto that church choir but Whitney Houston would have done it for me I would have been in there losing my mind if I got a chance to experience it. I mean the preacher's wife gave us a taste right
0: her rendition of joy to the world yes still gives me goosebumps
1: yes absolutely Whitney meets Robin Crawford while she's still in high school and mentions that the bar is set too high for her dreams of being a professional with Sissy, with Dionne Warwick being her cousin and Aretha Franklin essentially being her godmother. She was currently singing backup for her mom. Can you imagine a voice, you have a voice like Whitney Houston's and you still feel the bar was set too high? Her godmother is Aretha Franklin. She...
0: Was the number one voice of Rolling Stones on that list? <laughs> that list,
1: but yeah, you know we what I'm trying about to that. say. Mm-hmm. I get it. Success, like uh, even there's a Dionne Warwick uh biopic film on like HBO Max or something like that. One can forget the level of success Dionne has. Yeah, yes. So yeah, it would have been not just because it's not just about talent, right? It's also, you see plenty of people that are very, very talented, but how do you get to that next level? Yes, yes. But Whitney's talent was just, I mean, for me, undeniable, (laughs) but I get it.
0: I do feel like she brought in the era of the pretty singer in some ways, right? Because, you know, specifically talking about the black community, black music. If you could sing, you could sing. And it didn't matter what size you were, as long as you could blow. But then like we were entering the eighties and things became more visual. You know, you have MTV and you have this model esque woman who can blow And then in my mind, chronologically, you got, okay, so then there's Whitney, then there's Mariah, then there's Aaliyah and Beyonce. Like, you know what I mean? Aaliyah, not necessarily the voice or Janet, but still,
1: you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes. You feel like she helped usher in an era of being more image conscious. Um, I mean, one could say you still had, you know, people like- Diana Ross. Yes. Yes. Took the words right out of Tina my mouth. Tor- Tina Turner. You still had beautiful... I think that one of the things about Whitney, though, as we see in this film, and as we, I've even heard her talk about subsequently, was she was one of the first people that I feel like her image was crafted for her. It was not necessarily... Mm, what who of she her. felt like she really was yeah. and the way she necessarily would have chosen to be portrayed like i read that john houston her dad wanted her to be barbie like black barbie essentially mm. even mm. though that's not necessarily who she really really was right right and so that for sure followed a lot of like in my opinion women who went into pop uh yes. thereafter so I can definitely see it from from that perspective. And Mariah had her whole journey with her marriage and but all of like, that. Like
0: singer-singers, I would put Whitney, Mariah, and then like Beyonce. Because like, yes, we can talk about Diana and Tina and Aaliyah and Janet, but they're not
1: vocalists. They're not vocalists. They're not vocalists. I am really happy that in this film, they didn't exclude or shy away from the relationship between Whitney and Robin. Because again, that had been something to me that had been contentious within her estate and her family over the years of not wanting to be honest about the fact that that was not just some friendship, that it was also a romantic relationship at a point in time. And is part of Whitney's story that I was unaware of, even as a big fan for a very, very long time. So I appreciated that they let that story unfold and didn't try to hide it. Clive's words after seeing Whitney sing for the first time were, I think I might've just heard the greatest voice of her generation. Mm-hmm. When she's sang, I believe the children are our future. What'd you think about Sissy stepping aside to give Whitney that shine once she realized Clive was going to be in the audience.
0: You know, I know they portrayed her as a strict mother, but I feel like she's kind of a representation of the type of woman of her era. Like mm-hmm. a, a lot of Black mamas did play, <laughs> period, point blank, right? And if she's good at something, she's going to teach you and you're going to be the best. That's just how that cookie's going to crumble. And when she saw an opportunity for her daughter, I I thought it was beautiful because obviously she has had been a singer, a, backup, a background singer for many years. And she saw that opportunity for her daughter and essentially threw her off the nest. And I think it was
1: beautiful. I appreciated the portrayal that they gave of Sissy in this movie because I do feel like there's been tales over the years that kind of made Sissy seem like a very domineering force in Whitney's life, slightly bullish, if I'm being honest. And I think what this showed is to your point, she was her mother, but she always had her best interest at heart. She was supportive and she wanted Whitney to realize her oh. dreams and all of these things. Even exactly. if at times that may have been possibly harsh to some people who witnessed it, to me and my upbringing and the way I view it, she was being a mom. So- I appreciated seeing some of that within the story and within this portrayal of Sissy Houston. When Whitney signed to Arista, her dad, John negotiated a bit on contract terms and they granted best efforts to take Whitney with Clive wherever it was that he should go. A first for an artist who he's worked with, apparently, based on this film. Do you think that this maneuvering and this change in dynamics helped to solidify the relationship that Clive had with Whitney throughout her career? I think so. But I also
0: think, you know, Luckily, it was a healthy relationship because that could have turned bad quickly. We've seen so many examples of bad management. I'm thinking about, I mean, take your pick, honestly. <laughs> I can Tina Turner. I was even thinking about Viola Davis' character. What was her character? In Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Ma Rainey Black Bottom. So, yeah, I think it definitely
1: solidified their relationship, but I
0: was happy that it was a healthy one for both of them.
1: Absolutely. I also wondered if this helped change anything for artists that came thereafter, because um, watching the movie Air about Michael Jordan and that contract with Nike I hadn't realized the barriers that Michael Jordan broke in that contract. So watching this just made me wonder, did this help with negotiations for any artists moving forward that may have been able to get you know, more than they would have previously because they weren't taken advantage of in the same way that artists that preceded them had? So I would have been a little more curious to hear about that if that were the case. Um, but I, I do think that it was nice that it seemed like that they had a solid relationship, not just business relationship, but just relationship in general. And I always had that sense, but it's nice to see it in the film as well. I love the way they shot the making of Whitney's first album between studio sessions and the video for How Will I Know that we just talked about is my favorite of her songs because to be honest, as an artist, I've never known how involved Whitney was throughout the creative process of her albums because she wasn't a songwriter. And so I feel like there's been other artists over the years, like the Mariahs and um, even Beyonce, people like that who I've seen in the studio and I get a chance to see how they work and I get a sense of them being really involved. And I never knew if Whitney did that beyond singing the tracks. So I feel like that was a little bit illuminating for me too. Like, oh, it really was a collaborative process with you helping to decide and pick your music. You weren't just this puppet that people were deciding and making decisions for you.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really shocking when I found out that um, Winnie didn't write her own music though. But I think it was the assumption, right? Like even with I Will Always Love You, I'm like, oh, Dolly Parton wrote that? Grant it. I was young when I found it out, but still it's like, huh. And it also made me realize that's okay too, right? Because it's yeah. like, you are the vocalist and these people write songs. And if you have the right contributor, y'all can make
1: Diamond. Absolutely. I mean, everybody's not a songwriter. I think songwriting is is a part of the process, just like production. Like you find great, pairings and partnerships that help you to flourish in your artistry Um, and the way that it was portrayed at least in the movie Whitney did pick songs that spoke to her at particular times in her life they even you know had the scene where she originally passed on the one song uh, why does it hurt so bad which Mm -hmm. I love like that song is so heartbreaking but I love that song because when she was in her early 20s she couldn't relate but after she done gone through some things with Bobby right now you have the life experience to be like, ah, let me have that song again. Now I understand. So like I said, I just appreciated getting a glimpse into her creative process and how that went, given that we never really got a chance to see any of that. And it also, Dolores, struck me when watching this, just how young she really was achieving yes. all of this success. Yes. And, you know,
0: it. I hate to say it, but it it also makes sense that, It's easy to fall into behaviors that aren't healthy to cope with the meteoric rise (laughs) that
1: she was on, so... Apparently, um, The Greatest Love of All Tour was dubbed The Greatest Drugs of All Tour by somebody behind the scenes because of wow. the amount of drugs and excess that was going on by quite a few people as well as Whitney um, at that time. So that was something that I, I noted they didn't really focus on her drug use till the second half of the film. And I was like, but wasn't she supposedly doing drugs a
0: little
1: bit when They're, her pants were fighting a blip that was you smoking some weed versus she was supposedly doing coke yeah in the early 80s so i get why you want to not necessarily just focus on that immediately but that was definitely something i noted so i spoke a little about a little bit about whitney and robin's relationship and it got really complicated because they ended up moving in together. Whitney decided when she really started blowing up that she wanted Robin to join her team and be a creative uh, assistant and director and all these things. And, At the same time, on the personal side, things were taking a turn because her father basically said, I need you to start going out with some men. If you want her to be on this team, I'm going to need you to start going out with some guys. And so she has a fling with Jermaine Jackson. And to breaking that news to Robin did not go well. Robin about broke everything in the damn house. Do you think if you were Robin, you would have been able to stick by Whitney's side as her friend and as an employee, given their relationship? You know, I don't know. And I say that
0: because I I don't know what it's like to be in a homosexual relationship in the 80s. Like, it's a lot different today than it was in the past. I remember growing up because, you know, as a kid, I love the Today Show. (laughs) I remember the conversation of, quote unquote, gay marriage being a hot topic and them interviewing couples and talking about like you know, seeing loved ones in hospitals and being on insurance and things like that. So I say all that to say, you know, some people made that decision through the years, you know, knowing that their lover has attained a beard, so to speak, uh, for image purposes. And it actually reminds me a bit of a spoiler alert of the popular novel The Seven Husbands of um, Evelyn Hugo. her her husbands were pretty much beards. <laughs> and I say all that to say, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I would be able to tolerate or not.
1: I think that's fair. I think that's so valid to mention the fact that obviously this is a different era now there is quite a bit going on these days, especially politically that makes one feel like we're being dragged back in time. -hmm. So, it's not that there aren't issues and threats still that exist today, but for sure at that time, one could have a different understanding of what it must be like to be in love with someone, want to be with them, but understand that society and the circumstances prohibit you from being with them. So, how can I still have them in my life? For Mm -hmm. me personally, I think it would have been a struggle though, because I would have at least needed time separation to resolve my feelings and my love before I can move into just a friend role like to just go cold turkey and be like but I'm still gonna stick beside you and I'm still gonna <laughs> do everything I need to do right. and deal with the fact that you're with these men and because that's the thing Whitney didn't have beards Whitney was still was living her best life she with, was these with men. Them. yeah yeah She was, she enjoyed a little time with Jermaine. She enjoyed some time. They didn't mention it in this film, but she enjoyed some time with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. When she meets Bobby, she falls in love. So I think for me, I think it would have been tough, but I can understand for sure the circumstances being what they were that Robin was most likely trying to make the best of it. And I'm sure she did. I mean, had this unconditional love for somebody who was a great friend to you. So, right. As Whitney's success and star rises, so does criticism. The film did not shy away from the criticism Whitney faced in her career, including from some within the Black community who considered her a sellout and not making, quote-unquote, Black music. What were your thoughts on this backlash she received during her career for supposedly not making Black music?
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's crazy because we know her catalog now (laughs) but I was not aware of how much of a pushback she she got and you know now that we know that Clive is behind everything and created her persona and everything like that it's like well if you got a white man making your image (laughs) you might not um you might miss uh out on what your community may appreciate or you know, gravitate towards. But I think it was the focus of being quote unquote cr- crossover because we we're also in an era of music where we're out of the Motown ages, right? Like Motown was like the big experiment on getting that crossover success. And, you know, there have been some, you know, m- again, mega superstars and Diana Ross and Tina Turner but this is the next generation and so who's that who is who's that the voice right and Whitney was moted to be that I I do think a lot of her career especially towards the end she did a lot of like I'm down I'm down (laughs) look I promise
1: which she was obviously but I think one of the reasons why it may have impacted her more, too, is because she was probably like, if I had more of a say, things may be a little bit different. Not to say that I didn't think she still the the answer she gave, especially during the one interview, radio interview they highlighted where she said, I don't know what white music is. I don't know what black music is. I make music. Right. No, I sing. I'm a singer. Right. Know, I think that's very valid. But at the same time, I do think there were things that she was rubbing up against that probably did make it more irritating for her to receive such feedback. Cause she's like, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up yeah. in a black neighborhood and environment and black church and all these things. How am I suddenly not black enough for y'all? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and so, and then, you know, even today we have this conversation,
0: like, what is black? We are not a monolith. We exactly. are. Exactly individuals we are you know stop painting us with these broad strokes that the media has you know brainwashed us to believe what black is
1: Yeah, these debates still rage on today, though. So (laughs) it's not like she's the last artist to have to experience this. But I, to your point, did not realize she received this criticism either, because she's always been beloved by me, right? (laughs) So had no idea it was illuminating, but I thought she handled it very authentically um, when it came up in the film. One of the aspects of the movie I did not care for, and I'm so sorry to this man, but the casting of Bobby Brown... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he and Whitney infamously met at the 1989 Soul Train Awards, where Whitney received booze from the audience. Again, going back to the critis- criticism she was receiving. I think the reason why this betrayal of Bobby did not sit well with me is because I loved Woody McClain, who has previously betrayed Bobby in the New Edition story, in the Bobby Brown story. And I just felt like there was a charisma. That he had that I just did not necessarily see in this particular portrayal. And they eliminated her relationship with Eddie Murphy, which I thought was interesting because he Very. was kind of that in between person was. who reportedly even told her not to marry Bobby, right? So I could, I kind of wanted to see a little bit of that tension.
0: I'm not gonna lie. I, to I was you. surprised by that omission too. Yeah. But I feel like. Yes, I understand what you mean in terms of the charisma between the two bobbies, but for this story I think Bobby was just a side character and they wanted to like maintain that. <laughs> like
1: you That's know what I mean? That's a good point because he has had these other vehicles that have been more about him and so you don't want him to necessarily overshadow the story of her. But I don't, Whitney, Bobby's never overshadowed Whitney for me. So, you know, I don't think having someone who matched a little bit more of his energy, at least on that Soul Train Awards performance, I think that set it off wrong for me. Maybe if I had seen him just in his seat first, it would have been like, okay, let me adapt to this. But when you put him on stage, you need to bring out Bobby, or I don't know what we're doing here. (laughs) Like, that's probably just wasn't the best intro for me. But also, you know, if they had put Eddie in this and even Robin having an issue, couldn't blame them if things went down even remotely how it was portrayed with him proposing to Whitney in one breath and then dropping the bombshell that he had gotten his ex-girlfriend pregnant at the Insanity. same time. Insanity. Now there there's speculation about how that really went down. Supposedly it actually happened via a phone call and there was some backstage altercation and all this and that but it's like, hmm red flag on the play you know what I'm saying like let's have a conversation let's discuss this Whitney let's I never discuss.
0: I never liked Bobby Witt Whitney never so
1: yeah there's that the scene of Whitney Houston singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl was one of these scenes I cried on both watches I have re-watched <laughs> this actual <laughs> performance so many times and it always gives me chills it is legendary did this or any particular point make you more emotional or nostalgic when you caught when you caught it in the movie
0: so for this particular movie I I wasn't necessarily emotional in in terms of like any particular spot I think if anything I was kind of just somber throughout the whole thing especially when we get towards you know the latter part of her life and so if anything when it came to her performances I was just happy because I'm like oh they're using her recordings like that was a relief you know what I mean and I'm like of course it's going to be legendary powerful part of that is part of my criticism of this too because it's like Are we playing the entire performance for every (laughs) performance or are we going to do a stem bit and then go to the next, you know, part in life? Because there were moments where I'm like,
1: oh, okay, this is uh, we're doing the whole thing here. I think it's tough, too, because we know Whitney so well, like one of the things I loved about Selena when I and I still love that movie to this day True. is yeah. that we had so much of that because I didn't know who Selena was prior interesting
0: I'm glad that you brought that up but I do feel like it was more the, definitely more longer performance in this one than Selena
1: it may have been to a certain extent because I only or-
0: remember like three songs or two Beady beady bum bum And Dreaming of You and maybe one other one.
1: No, there was a lot of performances, even the Texas performance in Houston where she was at the Astrodome and all of that. There was a lot of performance, but there was also a lot of information, family moments, times you got to see her as a kid growing up. Like it was a very comprehensive. Well said. That's another- Biopic? Top tier
0: bio- jennifer lopez
1: deserved that golden globe
0: i mean talk about an introduction you know she deserved that golden one of her globe. top
1: performances easily so i think maybe one of the things too is this helps the next generation because again we grew up with her this may help the next generation to still appreciate her talent who may have not ever gotten a chance to see these performances so I'll say that. But I never knew Whitney postponed her wedding to shoot the bodyguard. Good call. That's all I have in my notes. Good call. (laughs) (laughs) Made a lot of sense. We get to the point about halfway through the film, Whitney and Bobby have married. Bobby Christina is born. And again, I'm like, okay, are we going to address this whole drug use situation? Because it's been, it's been here. But the drugs in the pen, which apparently is legit, was slick. That was fascinating. Slick. Apparently, since she's passed, there have been people who have come out and said, yep, I was her dealer. And yep, this is how we did it. So one of the biggest revelations, though, in this film is the complicated relationship between Whitney and her father. From the infidelity in his marriage to pushing Whitney, like I said, to see men over Robin to running through her money. That hospital scene between Whitney and her dad before he passed away was heartbreaking. It was gross. What'd you think about their relationship? I don't know, man.
0: <laughs> like I knew she had tension with her father. Um, and so seeing it, this was the first time, you know, we're getting, you know, shed light from Whitney's estate on the matter. To me, it's gross and heartbreaking. I hate when money breaks up families. Like you're on your deathbed and you are asking me for your cut of a negotiation that happened over 20 years ago.
1: And apparently really did sue for $100 million for breach of contract. And then have the nerve to count her money. Talking about you and Bobby are hiding it.
0: I am completely disgusted by stuff like that, and I hate again that type of feuding towards the end of someone's life like that. It just it breaks my heart.
1: I and knew he was me. I knew he was trash when he started handing out credit cards to everybody in the office. I was like, oh no. And like, who said that he could manage the money
0: because he was a man? Like, I don't understand. The One of the first fights we see is him fighting his wife because she's out making money
1: and not at home. This, again, to me, harkens back to her getting success at such a young age. She still had that parental dynamic with her, both her parents, but especially, you know, her dad still looking at him as that father figure who should be making the decisions in her life, even though this is your success, this is your money. And unfortunately, even though he's your father, he's not someone you could trust. And that's heartbreaking. And it's something we've seen so many times with like celebrities and their parents. One can forget Drew Barrymore had to basically divorce her parents. One can forget about multiple children, stars over the years who have had to get away from their parents get away from them taking their money because they were taken advantage of. And like I said, to me, it's heartbreaking because I think Whitney has had such a close relationship with her family and such a trusting relationship with her family and may have realized too late that she was being swindled for the money that she worked so hard for, having to go back out on a world tour because you're about to be broke. This is why some people got 50-50 in their house. (laughs)
0: Know where the money is, where it's coming, where it's going. We are both making decisions on matters over
1: x amount of dollars. <laughs> like, and the fact that he had put everything in the business's name, like, oh, this is my jet. No everything' is in the business name. When, how do you how do we not how do I not know that? How do I not know that? That really was upsetting. Her drug use goes off the rails. Five tries to intervene. Robin tries to intervene to no avail. She was finally forced into rehab for four months. This is where the movie kind of gets a little murky because they basically skip from that to 2009. But apparently Whitney went to rehab multiple times over the course of those years. One can forget the infamous 2002 Diane Sawyer interview that she did. One can forget about... Being Bobby Brown reality show. One can't probably forget about that one, but no. wasn't highlighted in this film. Those no, were isn't. sad but illuminating years for me as a fan because yeah. I can say that I was in heavy denial about her drug use for a very, very long time. Didn't want to believe it. And then even that performance celebrating Michael Jackson. She's so skinny. It was very, it was a, it was a scary era for me. Yeah. So I can I, understand, I guess, why they didn't highlight it. But at the same time, it kind of feels like glossing over.
0: Yeah. I just feel like it really started to hit home. And in some ways I feel like I started mourning her talent when she lost her voice. Right. Like,
1: absolutely,
0: it, it was one of those things where, I don't think I really knew a singer who really could sing who wasn't even able to like, like do the things they used to do, um, due to, uh, you know, abuse, uh, addiction, you know, and that was heartbreaking just to know, like, like it, in some ways it helps ground you in understanding,
1: like, like don't take your gifts for granted, you know for what sure. I mean? For sure. And you saw that a bit in with Clive where he didn't even want her to be smoking, right? He's like, you smoking is like putting this classic piece of artwork out in the rain. Yeah. Let alone the levels of abuse that she would have had to suffer when she was in the throes of heavy, heavy, heavy addiction. Right. So I I was the same as you. I mourned the loss of her talent so, so much. It broke my heart. Like, I think they have Clive say in the movie, like, doing something to deteriorate deteriorate your voice is criminal. And it really was for me too, because I'm like, I have never, and I probably will never again hear a voice that does what yours does to me. Well, and the thing about Whitney's talent that
0: I think is worth mentioning is she was vocally brilliant, right? Classically trained, but She was not afraid to go there. There are some people who have great gifts, but they don't have the tenacity to do what she did on some of those songs. Like, you know, reach for the highest notes. Like, you know, and I, that level of courageousness, we got a chance to benefit from it because it's like, it was just phenomenal
1: phenomenal it was very accurate when Clive in the movie called her vocally ambitious I mean there is no one else like I said that has ever moved me the way that Whitney Houston has moved me it's 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 incomparable it's hard to even discuss and so (laughs) I think to your point it it sets her apart from her peers and um even from her predecessors in my opinion but um when we do skip ahead and we see that return with that Oprah performance from 2009, do you remember watching that? Because I do. I sure do. Of course, I remember seeing that. <laughs> it was hard for me to watch at the time because I the first thing I noticed was, this may sound weird to everybody else, but Whitney always had a very distinct like tongue movement when she sang. Mm, And that was the first mm -hmm. thing I noticed was that her tongue was different. I know that may Mm -hmm. sound so weird, but I was Mm -hmm. like, her tongue is totally different. And then it was the, oh, I know she's, she's not hitting the note. She's not. And so it was just like, I wanted her to be healthy. I wanted her to be happy. But I was like, what do you do when you're used to being at the top of your powers and people still have that expectation of you and you want to deliver and you can't? So I just wonder behind the scenes how much that was still affecting her and something, an, an extra thing. Now she has to battle against her tragic passing in 2012 at the Beverly Hilton Hotel the night before the Grammys. I did not expect them to hold on that for as long as they did. What do you mean hold on it? Like the buildup of the day? The buildup of the day of us seeing the arrival of her having the scene at the bar with a fan of the conversation with Bobby Christina of the drug interaction of all that. Like I expected it to be a blip. I didn't expect to kind of live in it a little bit. And that hurt. Like, I can't explain it, but I. That was the one of the major things I would have changed about this movie. Don't drag this out to me. Make this a blip.
0: I feel like it was necessary, though, because it happened and people wonder what happened. You know what I mean? Like, what happened that day? I don't know, outside of her coming into town, being ready to perform and, you know...
1: But I don't feel like I got any resolve based on how they kind of portrayed it. And supposedly she wasn't even the one who went and got the drugs. She would have had someone go do that for her. Right. So my, my last question about this, though, is do you recall getting the news about her passing away? Of course. I was
0: <laughs> I was in Michigan at my parents' house because we were in town doing wedding planning. I got married in April that year and we would make trips to Michigan you know months leading up to the wedding and we we got the news and I'm like what Whitney and just to look at the age 48 years old that's so young it
1: is very young it is i can remember almost every major celebrity where i was And Mm -hmm. watching the coverage, I think I blocked this out. I could not tell you where I was, what I was doing, what I was thinking. Couldn't tell you. I think I blocked this one out.
0: I will also say that I don't I don't think I've ever like cried at her death. But if anything, I cry or get teary eyed whenever I heard a song of hers. Like I couldn't listen to Whitney songs for almost three years after her mm. death without being emotionally like just mournful over, you know, cause again, it was the, I was already mourning her talent and to know that her addiction not only took her talent, but her life too. Yeah. It was, it was just too much. Yeah. And I would have literally you be in the mall and you hear a Whitney song. I'm like, whoop can't i cannot mm, right now
1: mm, mm. I, I did watch the funeral coverage i remember that and i remember thinking that kevin costner had some really nice words to say he did and i remember kind of the hoopla over the family coming and bobby and this that situation and the the, the
0: drama that's when when someone passed i'm like y'all yeah
1: really but i think you gotta there's worry a, about this too I think there's a chunk of it I kind of blocked out because it was it was um, it was something. So the finale of the film wraps with that incredible medley that Whitney performed at the American Music Awards in 1994 that they gave a glimpse of at the very beginning of the film, and I think that. This was such a beautiful way to conclude and show that vocal musical legacy that we've chatted about during the course of this recap and that we love so much from her. Give me your final thoughts and if there was any key performances that you wish had been included that you didn't get a chance to, to see.
0: So overall, I I do appreciate the fade into black and then going back to one of her most memorable performances. I I do. I did like that choice. That was a spectacular performance. I went ahead and watched it again in preparation mm-hmm. for this recap. I wanted to see more of the producer, Whitney, the producer. She produced some of our favorite movies growing up. She did. Cinderella starring Brandy, um, that so was a throwaway line. It
1: was a throwaway line about Cinderella. I know. Yeah,
0: and you you have today's Ariel claiming Brandy being Cinderella was a big deal. You know what I mean? Whitney did that. Princess Diaries, like Cheetah Girls, like I would Even have loved sparkle. to see Sparkle waiting to exhale. Didn't talk about that. So those are the things that I think I would have liked to have seen in this particular um, telling of her story of her life, because she was multifaceted um, and extremely talented and obviously had an eye for what people wanted to watch. That's a gift in itself. Yeah. It was, I, I thought the young lady who played Whitney did a great job, but she really, I think I, I really like what she did with her hands because Whitney
1: was very expressive. During that South America concert, when you see her do the flourish and you see the handkerchief, I gasped the first time I watched it because I was like, yes, the handkerchief. Whitney always, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just <laughs> such a thing of like, yeah. yes, even the, the the details for me, the details.
0: yes. I'm glad that they were able to tell the story, especially in light of all the other tellings that has happened in recent years that the family did not enjoy. <laughs> I'm glad that they were able to uh, tell tell the story.
1: The only thing that I'll add is I would have loved to see who they would have tried to cast as Denzel if they tried to do uh, a oh, scene goodness. from The Preacher's Wife. I would have been fascinated to see what they would have tried to do with that. Hilarious. But- Overall, I guess I'll say if this is the only biopic we ever get of the incredible life and talent of Winnie Houston, I think that they I think they did a really good job. And I'm glad that they were able to do something that, you know, Clive was happy with. The family was happy with that still gave some layers and gave some you know, justice to who this woman was um, without shying away even from some of the, like I said, things that I know in the past have been sticking points for everybody. So if this is the one and only, I think they did a good job. I'm I'm sorry that I did not go support this in theaters, actually, after finally watching it on Netflix, because- um, they deserve it, even just for the fact that, you know, Cassie directing it and all of that. Like, I just think that this movie deserved it shine. So I'm glad it did well when it hit Netflix and when it hit streaming. And I hope that you guys, if you're listening um, and haven't seen it yet, that you do take a look at it and support it because I do think it was it was well done. So those are my final thoughts as well. Dolora. thank you guys so much for sticking with us for this recap of one of our faves and the one and only Whitney Elizabeth Houston. So, Delora, what you got for Hidden Gems? All right, Ashley. Well,
0: my Hidden Gem this week isn't necessarily specific to like just one interview. It's every cast interview from the cast of Queen Charlotte.
1: (laughs) Every single interview
0: every single one because right now i am so obsessed with these young people i don't know what to do and the chemistry between Corey and india is unreal to the point where it's like am i shipping them for real life like i know they say he has a girlfriend but let me tell you chemistry (laughs) (laughs) i have i and my favorite vehicle to watch a lot of these interviews is definitely YouTube. So YouTube had. So it's one thing to do like the talks, uh, talk show circuit where you, of course, you see Kelly Clarkson and Jimmy Fallon and Kimball and and um, Steve Colbert and all that. But it's something about these online interviews through a lot of these magazines like Teen Vogue, Netflix themselves. Well, I, I would say Buzzfeed, but we know how that's going. <laughs> Mm. they are so much fun and they have them doing ridiculous things like having Corey put on lipstick without a mirror and um, them trying out teas. I I love this cast so much because the show is phenomenal and will we recap it? Of course we will. You know we will. (laughs) Um, Highly, highly recommend. Just simply put Queen Charlotte and just have a, go down the rabbit hole. Like I've been doing since this show I've been out like for two weeks
1: i so appreciate
0: disappointed
1: i so appreciate the stars and and people who are promoting are such good sports about all the shenanigans that they have to do during press tours yes. i'm like there are some days you have to be like i don't feel like doing this shit today and you still got to pull it out and you have to be charming and nice and all of that and and go along with some of these sticks that you probably don't feel like it i think that's kudos to y'all okay appreciate y'all for that consummate Uh, entertainers
0: con absolutely again and don't forget the uk versions of our popular um magazines too so like like teen vogue uk there was another one that was uk that i thought was just such a fun interview again and can we talk about these covers like they are on the cover of vogue netherlands I'm like, they look gorgeous. And again, chemistry. All right, Ashley, (laughs) what's your hidden gem this week?
1: So my hidden gem is about another giant in the music industry, uh, Tupac Shakur. This five episode series on Hulu called Dear Mama, directed by Alan Hughes, examines the relationship between Tupac and his mother, Afini Shakur. I really just wrote down, this is so, 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 so good. I started it. I've rewatched some episodes a couple of times. I still have, I think the last two to watch, but this is like, I need to absorb this content and this information, right? It's not one that you just put on and you're distracted in the background. There's so much information. It's so wonderful to me to see this spotlight on Afeni and see the amazing influence that she had on her son's life in a way that I don't feel like a lot of mothers have gotten credited for when it comes to big, you know, celebrities and, and figures and, in history. I had read that book, um, that highlighted the mothers of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King and James Baldwin. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was so beautiful because I think about how often I hear about people's fathers and the impact of people's fathers sometimes on these figures but not necessarily their mothers and Tupac was a Feeney son okay and so I just feel like this series does such a great job of helping to understand how she also shaped history with her influence and her impact with the Black Panthers. And again, on her influence on him, because without her, there is no Tupac. And even again, as much as I've heard and seen about Tupac over the years, still so much information and knowledge that I'm gaining from this with first-person interviews from his friends, from his aunt, from uh, people that were just around and involved during those times. You know, you even had Snoop who's on there. You have Jasmine Guy who's on there. You know, there's, there's so much juice and meat that you get within these five episodes so i just think it's so well done and i think everybody needs to watch it so that is my one hidden gem for this week dear mama on hulu and that is it delora That is it, guys, for our episode for this week. We appreciate you for sticking with us as always. We'll be back on Thursday with yet another episode discussing what's going on in these pop culture streets. We love you. We appreciate you. Y'all stay safe out here and be blessed. Be blessed, y'all. Bye.